Amen. I want to say good morning. Good morning to everyone. Welcome to New Life Apostolic Church. I just want to say again, it's so good to have you. And it doesn't matter if you're here in person with us or if you're watching online, just want to say welcome. And uh, I'm really looking forward to another great conversation, a great service. I believe God has a great service in store for us today. Amen. Do you believe that we are a blessed people? Amen. We are so blessed to be able to come into this place and to, to feel the presence of the Lord like we do. It was last week that we wrapped up a conversation on the pursuit of real love. And I, I feel like really we're leaving a lot of meat on the bones uh, from that conversation that there, there's so much to talk about uh, when we dive into that top that topic of loving others. And so I'm sure at some point or another, we're going to revisit that conversation, but we're going to shift uh, today our conversation just a little bit. And it's my pleasure again to have alongside me, my brother, my friend, my co-laborer of Christ, uh, Josh Bakangi. I'm so glad to have you here with us. Um, I, I believe, I believe I heard it said that this week you probably prayed uh, more than you have prayed in a long time after seeing Purdue go down. You didn't want IU to fall on their steps. And uh, we were victorious. The prayers worked. Yes. I don't know. I don't know who in here is a Purdue fan, but you didn't pray enough. <laughs> and uh, all of our IU fans are a little bit more spiritual today. I think in the Turnbow household, there might have been more prayers going up against Purdue than there are going up for them. So that might have had something to do with it. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. So. Well, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. And today, in today's Life Talk, as I said, we're going to shift the conversation just a little bit. And we're going into this, this new topic of being transformed by the gospel and uh, I'm so excited for this because, you know, the, the word, the gospel, it's one of those biblical terms that's introduced to us early on in our Christian walk. We hear this term, the gospel, so often, and whether we grasp it fully or not, we, we at least can ascertain that the gospel, it's, it's a message. Um, and really, it's the central message of the entire Bible. That the, the gospel, it's, it's this, this word that would go forth for us that, that could give us hope, that gives us a reason to live. And, um, and today, this is, this is, uh, we're gonna dive into this new conversation on being transformed by the gospel. And in particular, today, uh, I wanna talk about the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. And you'll see, uh, if we can put up that, that next slide, there's gonna be, uh, a little code that's uh, up here in our in, in the corner, this QR code. Uh, I didn't test this out from your seat, so hopefully it's big enough that you can get this from your phone. Uh, if not, uh, we, we can try again next week. But uh, if you want to get your phones out and scan that, that'll bring up a uh, an app called Slido, and it will give you an opportunity to input any questions and. Um, that you may have throughout this conversation. I want to, we want to give you an opportunity to join in on this conversation. Um, and I see some phones coming out. Do we have any luck? No luck. Is it too small? I should have tested it out. It's a little bit too small. Okay. Um, next week we'll try this again and it'll be on like Facebook and YouTube as well. So if you want to go back this week and watch it, scan that if it doesn't work. 
uh, we'll still get those questions as well. That is true. I can, you know, I can mention that for our, our live stream viewers right now. You can just, you can scan that code on the live stream and, um, and that will give you an opportunity to join in on the conversation. So, um, jumping back into, to this topic. So the, the gospel is this central message really of the entire Bible. And there are, there's four books in the Bible that we would categorize as the gospels. Um, test you out real quick. What, what are our four books? We're going to go with a, what is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There we go. You passed the test. So these books, they're the ones that tell the story of Jesus Christ, um, tell the story from his birth to his death to his resurrection, and even beyond his resurrection up to his ascension into heaven. And these are the books, these gospel books, they have the teachings of Jesus, uh, the stories that he told, the people that he healed, the disciples that he gathered. Uh, the instructions that he gave to his disciples for what they were to do once he was gone. And in these four gospel books in your Bible, they absolutely tell the story of the most important person in Scripture. And that person, Jesus Christ. But we must also understand that the Bible itself, that this Bible, is one book. It was written by one author, and it tells one story. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not the only parts of this book that we could refer to as the gospel because the, the word gospel, it simply means good news. And that's exactly what this Bible is about. The Bible is the good news. It's telling us of what God has done, what he's continuing to do. And so, Josh, I wonder if you could just set us up a little bit, uh, a little bit more with what the true story of the gospel uh, really is. I think you already hit it on the head. The important thing is to understand that it, although it's, it's, it's a big book, it's there's lots of authors. There's just one true author, right? There's 66 books that are considered scripture, and they're written by over 40 different writers covering over about 4,000 years of history. But there's only one author, and that author is God. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Man, right, right. I, I love that you brought that up, that scripture up, because uh, we can even add to that. So that's talking about this, the inspiration of God, that, that word inspiration that God breathed. That's, that's what that word inspiration means, that God breathed. And when God breathed into man or he inspired man to write the scripture, it was, it was, that's, that's who the author is. And we can add to that Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 20, that it says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. The, the, the scriptures that we have, it's not because of man just writing this down. But holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. That God moved on them. And that's when they spake. Or that's what they wrote. It was God's agenda. It was never man's agenda. That, that's the important thing to remember is when we're, we're looking at these words... Some of the times I feel like the authors or the writers probably had difficulty putting down some of these scriptures because it's not something that, that they wanted to say, but it was what God had. And, and that's the only thing that can inspire is when God says it. Right. Especially I think of like, I think of Jeremiah, who was, was this prophet and prophesying of all, the, all these things to come. And uh, so much of what he would prophesy never came to pass during his life. And we see that in many of the prophets, they would prophesy these things. And say this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen. And you know the the things, the prophets that 
for themselves. Uh, I'm sure there was probably more than just Jonah who felt like, God, are you really sure that, that I need to share this message? Uh, but, but God spoke on them or God used them to write the story that is, that we have in scripture for us today, that this is all one, one story, but I'll, I'll let you get back. Uh, you're, you're starting to set us up a little bit with what the true story of the gospel is. Yeah. So when we have the entirety of scripture, uh, we begin to focus on the true story that's being told of us. And it's the story of God. So it's a story that, that redeems, it heals, and it completes our personal stories, which are smaller stories within that true story, right? So by understanding this story, we can really get the understanding of what the gospel is. It's this narrative of the Bible. It can be summarized in four key elements. It can be uh, creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. And that's what the Bible really focuses on is on these four elements. So in the beginning, God created. You know, that's that's how it all starts, right? With God creating things. He was the one that, that spoke those those words that formed the world, that formed the angels, that formed the heavens, and stars burst into the sky, animals came up, uh, oceans rose up just by the mention of his word. It all started with creation. And the reason why we're created is because we have one purpose, and that's, that's uh, it's, it's living for God, right? We can't answer what our purpose is if we don't dig into the word of God. You want to know why there's so much confusion in the world today? It's because people are seeking their purpose without consulting their creator. They're looking everywhere else to find out what's my purpose in life. Why am I here? I'll figure it out on my own. God God says, no, I I gave you the book, and that's why you're here. In Genesis, no other creation had a relationship with God. I don't remember a scripture where it says, and the Lord came down into the Garden of Eden, and he played catch with Fido. But he walked daily with Adam and Eve. He had a relationship with us. And guess what? It didn't take long for that relationship for us to mess it up. And we talk about the fall of mankind. Because they they didn't believe. They didn't believe the the words that God had given them. And then that resulted into sin, which led to to death and this brokenness that we still experience today. Right? It was never God's intention for there to be this this broken relationship with with him and us. Uh, But it was all all our, our own decisions that we did. So the reason why the relationship changed wasn't because the sin that was eating of the, the knowledge of the, the tree of the good and evil. I think that everyone thinks, well, that's the sin and that's what caused everything to be done. No, what, what caused everything to be undone was they stopped trusting in God. Right, right. It's so good. You think, you think of you know, what God had called them to do and, and he said, you can have everything. You have access to everything. And what the enemy, what he tries to, uh, to, to interject is to say, does God really have your best interest at heart? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, can you really trust God? You know, he's trying to keep you away from something that's really good. And I don't know if you can really trust this, this God who you say is so good. There's, because you're missing out on something. And so, yeah, I, I love that you put that in there because it's their unbelief that gets their focus off of their purpose. It's their unbelief that, that begins to change the relationship that they had with God. But you can, uh, you can continue. But yeah, so that's the whole point was it was their unbelief and it was the, the enemy saying there's more that God wants you to not know about. And I think that that's why sometimes we read God and he, we, we see the purpose he has for our life. And we're still saying, well, no, there's, there's got to be more. And so we're searching. And Genesis 3, 4 says, uh, 
uh, the serpent talking to Eve. It says, you don't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The serpent was trying to say, God's trying to hide something from you. And instead of searching for the truth in God, they were searching for the truth anywhere else that they could. Being woke, ain't good. it ain't a good thing, right? I know that's the political correct thing to be right now is you got to be woke. You got you to search for the real truth. You want to know why the, the world's in the shape it's in? It's because we're trying to define our own truth instead of accepting the on, truth that God has for us now. Come on. Come on. True. Part of me wishes that, that, that God would have just killed Eve the moment she took a bite out of that apple. And it's not because I'm a man or a woman hate or anything like that, but it's because they set the tone for God said you're going to die if you do this and you did it and there wasn't an immediate consequence. And that's what the enemy uses to try to justify our decisions that we make sometimes being away from God. Well, God said that this would happen, but nothing's happened yet. So God must be a liar. We need to stop looking at God's mercy as God's approval. I know pastor might preach against it, but I can still walk into a, a church and, and raise my hand in the back row, and I can feel those, those Holy Ghost goosebumps, so, so God must be doing something in my life, and God approves of it. No, he doesn't approve of it. Right. It's still sin, and it's still going to lead to our death. Right, right. Because physically, she didn't die right away, right? But there's more than just physically dying. Spiritually, their relationship was broken. They, they, she was dying spiritually. She was dying in these relationships. John twelve thirty one says that, uh, the, the time for judging the world has come when Satan, the ruler of the world, will be cast out. Adam and Eve were meant to be the rulers of the world. It was never supposed to be Satan. Yeah. Yeah. But they lost that. that. That relationship they had with God, it was destroyed because they allowed sin to enter the world. The second death they had was a relational one. Before, before that sin entered Adam and Eve, they were united. They were living in harmony. There was peace. But now not... Not only did their sin affect their relationship with God, but it affected their relationship with each other. They began to bicker. They began to argue. They became to to pass blame. And I think that's one of the lies of the enemy is we think, okay, this is only going to change my relationship with God. Sin changes our relationship with everyone around us. And it can corrupt every good thing that we have if we're not careful. And God created Eve for a reason, right? He said it's not good for man to dwell alone. But sometimes when we allow the enemy to speak to us, we need to allow the enemy to give us our truth. Then what happens is, is that we, we push everyone else away because we're so ashamed of the mistakes that we've made that we've cut ourselves off from the world. And that's how he wins. Yeah. He, he gets us to, to live in our own head. Yeah. So this story is, is how scripture sets it up. Everything hinges on, on this. this. I know it's not new information. This is stuff we've learned all of our lives. But if we don't grab the foundation of how the gospel was formed, then we can't fully understand the good news, right? right? There's no good news if it wasn't for our failure, if it wasn't for our flaws, if it wasn't for sin, then there was no need for a redeemer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to go back to what you just said about, about Eve. And I mean, that's, that's part of God's grace. The fact that, I mean, the, the consequence was death, that sin leads to death, uh, that they, you know, God had said that it, you know, once you eat of this tree, it's going to lead to death or, you know, you, you shall surely die. But thank God for his grace. Thank God that, that he, she didn't die right there. You know, I, I think so often we look at, uh, we look at scripture and it, it almost seems like 
It almost seems like there's two gods, or I've heard it said, I should say it that way. Uh, I've heard it said that uh, Scripture looks as it looks like there's two different gods, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. And you have the, the one God that was, it was you know, very harsh, uh, that he would judge them right away. And you have the, the, the new God that is, you know, in, in working in grace, and, and we have uh, less consequence. But the reality is, it's the same God. And even, if, even when you look at Scripture, you see the law that's really harsh. The law of the Old Testament was a very harsh law. But even in that, God had grace. That throughout the Old Testament, even though there's the line that God draws that says, you, you do this, there's going to be consequences for it. You do, you know, you do this, um, then death is, you know, death is going to be the end. But God still showed mercy over and over and over and over. How many times do we see Israel falling into sin and God, God being patient with them and picking them back up? So we see the, this redemption story that's played out throughout scripture. The Old Testament is this story over and over and over of God trying to redeem his people. And thankfully, he didn't end it right at the time when they when they sinned, they fell, the fall of mankind, but instead hope was given. Hope was inserted into the equation. We see it. Genesis 3:15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. This is this is God speaking to Satan, speaking to the serpent. He says, "It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel." This right here is the very first prophecy about Jesus. Genesis 3.15 is the first time that we see Jesus or a Messiah that's prophesied. It's the first time that we see hope for redemption. They had just sinned. They had just fallen. And already God is setting forth this plan that says the next part of the story is redemption. We see creation. We see the fall. And now redemption is going to happen. And it's this story of redemption that really fills the remaining pages of the Old Testament. We see sin increasing. We see the, the, the world going crazy. Uh, we see all these people, you know, that it gets to the point where God even destroys everyone with the flood. That is everyone except for Noah and his family. They played this key role in the redemption of mankind. But Noah, he couldn't do it himself because he wasn't perfect. Abraham played a role in the redemption story, but Abraham couldn't really do it because he wasn't perfect. Through Abraham, you see uh, Isaac, then you see Jacob, who was Israel, and the people of Israel, they become this beacon of hope for the rest of the world. They're playing this pivotal role in the redemption of the world. And so we see this, this story that's playing out throughout Scripture, and, and we're setting this up. Well, I'm, I'm, we're trying to set the table a little bit this morning um, about this gospel, the transformation power of the gospel. And as you go through the story of Scripture, this is one story that's telling us about how God is trying to redeem the world. And he does it through the Old Testament, through these people who are redeeming the world to bring them back into relationship with God. And so, and so we, we see these stories beginning to play out throughout the Old Testament. And these stories of redemption. So with these stories, it's always examples where humanity stopped living after the purpose that God had given them. Anytime that God had to come in and redeem Israel or he had to come in and redeem uh, Noah and his families, it's because the world allowed their own agenda and their own purpose to trump what God had. And they, they caused this on, on themselves. They tried to create their own identity. Yeah. 
And there's so many of these examples, especially with the children of Israel, where their slavery, it was something physical, right? You knew that you were in slavery because you were bound. You knew that you were in slavery because you were taken from your homeland and you were taken somewhere else. The redemption was spiritual, but the the bondage was physical. And this sounds terrible, but sometimes I wish that our slavery was physical so that we could look out and we could see what we were bound by. We could see what, what was taking control of us, and we could see and acknowledge that, you know what, this isn't the life that I'm supposed to live. But instead, we struggle with, with, with our own kind of slavery today, with, with, uh, with sin, with perversions, with our immorality. And we, we keep it hidden because we think if we keep it hidden, then no one ever knows and it's not exposed. And God can't redeem us from it unless we admit that we're struggling with it. Right. It doesn't make it any less real that it's not physical, that you don't see what I'm going through. You don't see the bondage that I have. But God can't redeem us from it until we turn and look our eyes to him. Amen. I, you know, I, I think back to a, a Wednesday night, you know, a, a series that we did. This is probably the first time that we really broke into like small groups here in the, here in the church, um, or at least here recently when we did it. And there was a, a series that we just, we watched. It was called Chained, I believe was the, the name of it. Um, and talking about those, those chains that, that we still uh, are bound by, uh, that you, you've been set free by Jesus Christ, that we have been, uh, we have, you know, if you've been baptized, if you have received the Holy Ghost, if you have uh, committed your life to Christ, then, then he has set you free, then we have freedom. But yet there's still these little areas in our life where you may be bound. There's still these, these things that you may be dealing with. And, and like you said, uh, we can feel like nobody else sees it. No, nobody else sees it. And so we'll stay bound. But what God wants to do is he wants to redeem you from everything. He wants to set you free from all of that. And the redemption story isn't really complete until you have been completely transformed by the gospel message. Until you've allowed the power of the gospel to to bring you back into perfect relationship with God. And that's that's the power of the gospel. And And what the problem was throughout the Old Testament is they never had the perfect sacrifice to be able to set them free. That redemption never could be complete because there was never a perfect sacrifice that could be made. And, and they lived by the, by the law. They, they, they lived as best they could. But it was, it was never made complete until God came down to earth as a little baby. And he became that perfect sacrifice and it was at that moment that the redemption was finally complete. And so as we're telling this story of, of creation and then the fall and then redemption, it was when Jesus came as the true and better Adam, yes. the true and better Abraham, the true and better Israel. It's when Jesus did that and, and it was he, he died on the cross that the cross was God's ultimate redemption plan. Yes, it, was. it was the cross and it always was. It always was the plan. Even before the world was created, this plan was in motion. I'm just going to pull one scripture here in Revelation 13, but, but you have uh, this, this said several times in scripture that it was before the foundation of the world that this plan was set in motion. Revelation 13, 8 says that all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. That when the worlds were created, 
It was already set in motion that God would come down and that he would become our redeemer, that he would rescue us from our sin. And I'm so thankful. I'm so, I'm so we're, we're so blessed that God, he himself became our sacrifice, that he himself came to redeem us. And I'm so glad the story doesn't stop at redemption because redemption says that I'm saved. You know, I'm, I'm delivered, I'm recovered, and that's a powerful thing. But redeemed people can still live in a victim mindset. I'm recovered, but I've still got hurts. I've still got wounds. I'm delivered, but, but my past is still there. When Jesus rose from the dead, when he didn't remain in that grave, he resurrected with a glorified body. He, he took redemption, and he says, that's not enough. We're going to create something new. We're going to give you a new creation. Right, right. And, and so many people would point to even that as the climax of the story, that when Jesus died, right, that's that the climax of the story is we're we're still kind of setting this up and just going through the story of the Bible. This is one book. It's one story. There's one author. And the climax of the story, somebody would say, is when Jesus dies, he's buried, and he rises from the dead. Except it's not. It almost is, but it's not quite the climax of the story. The climax of the story really comes soon after this. It's in the book of Acts. And if you read one gospel in particular, the gospel according to Luke... And then you flow right into the next book that Luke wrote, which is the book of Acts. You would see this clearly, that it's all pointing to what happened in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Everything that, if you haven't, if you've never heard this book, it's Acts 238. It's a book by David Norris. Incredible book. I was just, just reading this this week. And, uh, and he sets this up, this, this story up and and uh, he he puts the book of Luke and Acts together because really they are meant to be read as one story. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts, and he's as he writes these two books, he writes them in such a way that they flow one right into the other. And if you were to start in the ninth chapter of the book of Luke you'll read that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And then you read that same thing over and over and over for the remaining 13 chapters of his book. It'll say Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And it's not because Jesus kept going to Jerusalem. I believe it's it's 16 times that we read this, that, that Jesus, just in the book of Luke, that Jesus was on his way to to Jerusalem. Luke was making this point in, in the narrative, in the way that he was writing his book, that something climactic was going to happen in Jerusalem. And you say, yeah, it did, right? That's where Jesus died. That's where Jesus rose again. That was the climactic moment of the story. And it is. But it didn't finish with that. Because after Jesus rose from the dead, he told his disciples, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave. You are about to become my bride. I'm going to start a church. And Peter, you're going to preach the message. You have the keys of the kingdom. You're going to pray for people. They're going to receive the Holy Ghost. 
They're going to be baptized in my name. Repentance is going to take place. People are going to see their lives transformed. And that's and Peter, having the keys to the kingdom, he did. He preached the message. He was the one that laid hands on the Jews on the day of Pentecost. And they received the Holy Ghost. He was the one that went up to Samaria. And, and they began to pray. And they were, the Samaritans received the Holy Ghost. He was the one that was sent to the first Gentile. And he began to pray for them. And they received the Holy Ghost. So he had the keys to the kingdom. But it was this moment in the book of Acts chapter 2 that the story comes to its climax because a new creation was born. The church was born. The church was born right then. And through that opportunity, through that, the people who make up the church became new creatures. They became a new creation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 that says that this means... That anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That the old life is gone. That a new life has begun. See, everything changes when we become a new creation. When we understand this, when we have this understanding of God's truth, and that, that through this, this new uh, relationship with Christ, through being redeemed, we become a new creation. And that's the power of the gospel is that it, it makes uh, makes all things new. It makes it, it creates the church that through through Christ becoming our redeemer through Him uh, redeeming people from their sins. He created an opportunity for something new. He created the new church through the new church through the, the people in the church. They become a new creation, and that's what happens to us even today. Uh, that we become a new creation uh, because of what He did for us. I love how they put it in Ephesians too. It says that. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He has led the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead, because of our sins, he gave us life when he, raised, when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So God can point uh, to us in all future ages as an example of incredible wealth, of his grace and kindness towards us. And he has shown, uh, as he has shown, he has done for us that are united with Jesus Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take any credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so we can't boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Jesus Christ so we can do the good things which he planned for us long ago. God didn't create a new creation because we deserved it. God didn't create a new creation because we worked so hard. And he, he didn't even do it because he loved us so much. It's that last verse that's so key, so key. He says he did it because he has a purpose for us. He created a new creation because he has a plan for our lives. So this, I mean, this is the story. This is the story of, of the scripture. That creation, the fall, the redemption... But it doesn't end with redemption. There's new creation. And so once we've been redeemed, once we have, uh, once we have obeyed the gospel, once we have uh, had the gospel impact us, 
We are to be a new creation. That's what that's what the rest of the story is all about, the new creation. And, and I suppose today, in order to gra- grasp the gospel, you really, we have to understand this story, which is why I wanted to go through it this morning, is, is this story plays such a key role in, in that we have been redeemed. But now, the new que- but now the question is, have I been transformed? So I've been redeemed, but am I, but am I a new creation? In what way am I different? After meeting Christ, in what way am I different? And if there's someone here today who, who is thinking to themselves, I've done too much bad in my lifetime to be transformed into anything good, I hope that you would give God a chance. See what he can do. Try God. Test the gospel. See how powerful the gospel is. See how powerful it is. So we, we probably ought to define exactly in Scripture what, what it means by the gospel. Because that word gospel... Uh, I already said it means good news, but but what is the good news? It's and, and Paul he defines it for us in the first letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, "Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel that I preached unto you, which you received, wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. That if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain." So then, so he's, he's setting this up. He says, "This is the gospel that I preached unto you." He says, I delivered unto you the first of all that which I received, how that, now here's the gospel, listen up, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, Cephas is Peter, he says he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater remain, greater part remain unto this present, but some of them they're fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me. This is Paul writing this. He was seen of me also, as one who was born out of due time. For I am the least of all the apostles. I'm not me to be called an apostle because I was persecuted, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this, and His grace which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is within me. And so the gospel, what we're talking about, the transformation power of the gospel, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. But Paul continues on, and he said, because there's, there's a colon at the end of verse 4. That's where he says, and then he rose again, according to the scriptures, colon. He says, Jesus, he resurrected, and then he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter. And then he was seen by the rest of the disciples. He was seen by at least 500 more beyond that. And then his brother James even saw him. And last of all, I saw him. Now, if you know Paul's story, his his story of transformation, you know that Paul didn't actually see Jesus before Jesus ascended into heaven. And that's why he says, I was one who was born out of due time. Jesus, he met me when I was on the road to Damascus. He revealed himself to me as my redeemer. I was there killing people who believed in this gospel message. I was the one who, when people were preaching this, I thought they were fools. But then Jesus came to me and he preached the gospel message to me and it changed my life. He preached 
the gospel. And he said, look at the nail scars that are in my hands. Look, you're the one. I am the one that you're persecuting. I'm the one. And by the grace of God, I am what I am today. Because the gospel transformed me. He said, I am a new creation. I don't deserve it. I'm the least deserving person in the world. But the gospel saved me. The gospel transformed me. And that is the power of the gospel. You see, Paul, or Saul, Saul was this man, it's, it's, it's the same guy, but, but he was known by Saul as, as this killer, this man who would go, he would throw the, the Christians in a prison, he would make sure that they died this brutal death, and yet when Jesus met him and presented him with the gospel message, his life was completely changed. The death, the burial, and the resurrection give us hope. Jesus died. He was buried in a tomb, but three days later, that tomb was empty. The gospel is a powerful message. The, the gospel, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the, that's powerful, and that's what gives us hope. But it's the next step. We have to make a decision. Because right. God died on the cross whether we wanted to live for him or not, whether we chose to love him or not. It's our choice whether or not we have that relationship where we get to have that, that, that new birth, right? Because yeah. we're powerless to save ourselves. It doesn't matter how many good things I do it's like filthiness to God, right? My righteousness is nothing in his sight. Not only do I not believe in once saved, always saved, but I don't believe that once you get the Holy Ghost, you're guaranteed to go to heaven, right? We need to have a relationship with God. It's got to be something where we're speaking in tongues on, on, a, on a daily basis, hopefully. If it's been a week or two since you've, since you've spoken tongues, then, then get to an altar and say, hey, I, I need to have it now because the gospel has to be something that's living in us now. It can't just be words that we read or, or a story that we had from, from 15 years ago that we keep saying, well, God showed up in my life 15 years ago. We should have a transformation story where we should be able to tell what God did for my life yesterday. Amen. What he did in my neighborhood yesterday. Amen. These transformation stories have to be living, breathing things that are happening now. Amen. And that's, and that's the key right there. I, I know what you're saying about, about speaking in tongues, you know, that, that that ought to be something that's present in our life. But all of that is to say that I've been transformed, that I am new. I'm, I'm, uh, that's to say that the power of Jesus, the power of God is in me. It's transformed me. It's changed me. And that's what the gospel message is. It's a, it's a message of transformation. There's this, there's this quote, and I know we got to wrap up in one minute. There's this quote that I, I've seen it, it attributed to, like, I don't know, a hundred different people. So I'm not really sure who said it first. But um, I'll, I'll say that it was Leonard Ravenhill just because I, like uh, I like his book, and he was one of them, uh, who, who said this. He said, Jesus did not come into the world to make bad men good. He came into the world to make dead men live. Oh, come on. That's the power of the gospel. The gospel message, it doesn't turn you from bad to good. It transforms you from death to life. I once was dead, but now I live. Right? Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God, who who sent me, they have eternal life. They have passed from death into life. Jesus didn't just die for our sins. And I think that we get caught up in that so much where, yes, he died for our sins. No, he died so that we could have power 
right. over the enemy. So we can have power Transformation. over sin. Right. That, that, that's the yeah. key. Because just removing the sin of my life, that's not good enough. That's not transforming anything. But he gave us power, and that's the key. Amen. Amen. We've got to wrap this up. But uh, we, had, we had some stories we were going to tell as we, we, we didn't get to them. But some stories of people whose lives are being transformed by the gospel. Uh, I'll, I'll tell one of them just, just here as we're wrapping up. That was uh, just a prayer, just prayer meeting last night. And I was talking to David. Uh, David, a uh, young man who, who we baptized a couple of weeks ago uh, on a Wednesday night. And uh, he's become a friend of mine. I've, I'm so glad uh, that he is he's, he's here consistently. He's not able to be here on Sundays right now. But, uh, uh, but he's, he's faithful here every Saturday night. He's here for prayer. And I began to talk to him last night about his story. And uh, he was saying a year ago, you wouldn't have, you would have, you wouldn't have recognized me a year ago. He had, he found himself in a place where he was, he was hooked up with, uh, hooked up with a drug dealer. So he said, I had, uh, I had every, or just complete access to any drugs that I wanted. I could, you know, just, just completely strung out all the time. And finally found myself where, uh, I had I had to go to the hospital because um, because I was so out of it and, and she said I was finally finally got to the hospital got no place of rehab and as I was there in rehab he said my said I was for three days laying there in that in that bed for four days I'm sorry four days he said I was laying there in that bed and finally got to a place where. The people said, we've, we've got we've to do something else if he doesn't get up. He said, finally, on that, on that fifth day, that, that morning, he, something just came into his mind. He said, man, I want some coffee. I think coffee will do something for a couple of us. Wake us up a little bit. But he finally got up out of that bed, and he'd been, he'd been getting, um, going through this, this process, trying to, detox from all these drugs that he was on and he said I got into the hallway and I just ran, walked past the mirror and said I had to step back and look back into that mirror he said it looked like death was just staring me back back in the face I hardly recognized myself he said I've got to I've got to make some changes he was telling me how in his in his life he he'd been adopted he had all this bitterness and he had all of these these hard feelings towards his his birth parents and but also he wasn't treated well in the home that he did grow up in that he was adopted into and 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 all these this, this bitterness and hatred that that he was carrying and he had all this hatred towards God as well and and even said I was I was angry at God. I was angry at God for everything that I had to, had to go through. He said, but I, I tried to live it. I, I tried to, to put on this facade that, that, you know, I was, I was a Christian because I, I did go to church. He said, in fact, I was even a youth leader at two different churches, but I was so angry at God that, uh, that I purposely, uh, would, would, 
caused division and, and I, I divided two churches because because I was just angry at God even in that position that I was in so but there I, I, I looked at myself in that mirror and I said I gotta change I've gotta I've gotta make some steps and he admitted himself into a, a rehab facility and got connected to an apostolic church He said, God began doing something in me. God began changing me. God began to do a work inside of me that has been a long time since I had felt love. Been a long time since I had felt worth. But the gospel began to transform my life. And he said, as I was there and I began to search the scripture and I began to, to, to truly dive into it for the first time ever. I, I saw the love that God had for me. And he said, it took me a long time. The first step for me, for, for him, he said, was to forgive myself. As I began to forgive myself and that process of forgiving myself, he said, it, it involves understanding that God forgave me. And this is the gospel message right there. That Christ died for your sins. That he, that he made a way. That no matter how bad I was, no matter how many wrong, sinful things that I've done in my life, that He still loves me. And He's still reaching for you. And God is calling you today. And, and David, he, he, he said, I, I, I don't want to pretend that I, I got it all together right away because it was definitely a process but in the process of time God began to work some things out of me and he began to show he, he, had, he had a journal there and he opened it up to a couple of pages and he said here just he had been transferred up up here into Kinderville and to another facility or, uh, he, he went to uh, Inspiration Ministries and that's where he got connected to our church and he said as I was there I felt my prayer time. I just needed to start writing down some letters to my parents, both my both my biological parents, my adoptive parents, and I let them know I forgive you. I said there's power in forgiveness. I said I didn't really feel it at the time, but I needed to write it down. He said now I'm beginning to feel it because the power, the, because God is transforming me. said, I've been diving into the Word, and, and God is transforming my life. A year ago, you wouldn't have recognized me, but here I am today, and I've got a good job. I've got a relationship with God. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to get back into, uh, get back into a, a place where I'm, I'm on my feet, and, I'm, and I'm, being, I'm able to help others. I'm able to minister to others, and it's a process, but there's transformation that's happened in me because I finally surrendered myself to Jesus Christ. This is the transformation, church. This is the transformative power of the gospel. That when we give ourselves to Him, He will transform you into something new. He will transform your life. And I just want to encourage somebody here today who you say, I gave myself to Jesus Christ a long time ago. But is there still something in you that needs to be transformed? Because the gospel 
is still at work today, right now. And it still wants to give you hope that he wants to transform parts of you that have not yet completely been given over to Jesus Christ. Amen. I know we're over on our time here this morning, but if we could just lift up our hands. And I, I want to I just invite the presence of God. I feel, it, I feel him in this place. Amen. That he wants to transform somebody's life here this morning. He wants to begin this, this process where you, where you say, I don't know, I don't know, I've tried it before, I've, I, I, I've given myself to you before, and, and I've, I've failed. God says, do it again. Come to me right now. Just lift up your hand. Would you just pray? Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free.